Blog Talk Radio. K-Rod Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and we're on live again tonight. Uh, makes three nights in a row with some kind of record for me. Anyway, we are on tonight with Jonathan Maxwell. He is a Georgia-based writer and public speaker. He's an author of Murderous Intellectuals, which are German elites, and the Nazi SS, which received a 2011 All Books Review Editor's Choice Award in the category of Best Nonfiction Book. His second book, Piltdown Man, and other hoaxes has recently recently debuted in his lighthearting more lighthearted examination of scientific frauds through history. That should be a lot of fun. Maxwell holds a BA in English in his uh Barry oh I'm sorry, in in from Barry College and is currently completing his MA in English from Jacksonville State University in Alabama. Jonathan, are you there? I'm I'm here. <laughs> I just gave them a rundown of of what you're all about, or at least you know um, a very short version of what you're about. And so you've got several books. And uh, tell us about how you got started with writing the first one. Uh, well, as far as uh, murderous intellectuals uh, uh, go. Uh, I had uh, long, you know, enjoyed writing, you know, as well as reading. Uh, I, you know, I developed fondness for those things, you know, very early on in life. Uh, as soon as I learned to read, you know, I was reading books, you know, uh, enthusiastically and, and, and writing quite a bit as well. Uh, I uh, first began to uh, develop an interest in the Holocaust and uh in high school, and I, I really suppose it uh, never really uh, left me. Uh, by the time I was 17, I was uh, uh, always reading books about the Holocaust. It, it, it seemed like uh, I could just never, you know, tire of the subject, even though it, it is a very grim subject. Uh, and uh, I, I read a lot of great books, obviously, but none of them really. Uh, Answer the the sort of questions that uh, that I had. Uh, some of my questions were, you know, why would uh, seemingly civilized, cultured people like the Germans descend mm-hmm. so much into uh, barbarism? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, questions along those lines. You know, what makes otherwise intelligent, intellectual people, uh, you know, descend into savagery? Uh, I, I read you know book after book trying to have this uh such questions answered but they they never really satisfied me so uh eventually i just decided to write a book about the uh, the topic myself and uh, mm-hmm. that's how murderous intellectuals came about so you did you have a personal reason for being interested in that or just that you thought it was fascinating time and you wanted to know more about it uh, I, I guess ultimately what inspired me was just the uh, 
the duality of 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 human beings you know on one side uh we can be so clever and intelligent and resourceful and you know sometimes selfless and and noble and then on the other hand you know uh, we can also be uh selfish and uh uh sinister and cold and and, and evil uh, I, I think ultimately that's what you know drew me to the subject so much. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as having a, a personal motive, uh, uh, not uh, not really. I'm uh, not not Jewish. My uh, roots are uh, Scotch Irish. Uh, that being said, I, I never viewed the Holocaust as being a, a Jewish problem or a German problem or what have you. I, I thought it was a you know a human problem. Uh, the Holocaust, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, you know, it represents uh, a universal problem. The, the fact that, uh, you know, sometimes human beings can be uh, very uh, inhuman to one another. Yeah, you know, if you really look at history too, I think that, you know nothing uh, nasty about the English, but you know they they've done some pretty interesting atrocities, you know, to other countries. Uh, in the name of uh, expansion, you know, to uh, other countries. So, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it's a human problem because it's not just the Germans that, you know, or, or you know, had done this kind of thing. Uh, we've seen yeah. this this kind of thing happen in other countries as well in the history. Well, you know, it's happened in, uh, in America as well. I mean, we've had our own uh experiences with uh genocide you know look what we did to uh the native americans yeah. uh and as far as the uh african american experience in uh you know in, in america uh I, I suppose it wasn't a genocide in the uh most literal of, of senses but it was very much uh, a cultural genocide and uh you know american slavery and in the Holocaust, uh, there are a lot of uh, parallels there, uh, mm-hmm. including uh, kidnapping, uh, deportation, segregation, uh, slavery, the uh, abolition of, uh, of civil liberties, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, loss of cultural tradition. So, you know, unfortunately, America has had its own, you know, uh, uh, experiences uh, with uh, genocide. Yeah. And, you know, even in Africa right now, you know they're experiencing that, so uh, it's just not something that has gone away, unfortunately. Oh sure, and and it's very sad because it it seems as if the the history of of human culture it's it's also the history of uh, violence and bloodshed. Uh, I mean, if you think about history, you uh, you learn fairly early on that it, it's it's often very very tragic. It's often very bleak. And uh, I, I think the uh, the bleakest aspect of uh, human history is that uh, we really haven't learned, you know, that many lessons. <laughs> uh, we're still uh, warlike. There, there's still war. There's still uh, uh, many disagreements, and we can never, uh, we rarely ever come to a consensus about anything. Oftentimes, we refuse to uh, even meet uh, one another halfway. Yeah, yeah, definitely true, and it, it is a shame. And you know, being a science fiction fan that I am, um, you know, we have this 
discussed you know, or have shown these types of uh, looks at humans uh, in a lot of science fiction uh, episodes on television as well as in books. So it's been something that, you know, um, it goes across the board when it comes to uh, authors exploring those issues. Oh, sure. Uh, so it's interesting that you, you know, you, you would uh, study on that and, you know, bring some different – what did you find to be interesting about um, – I mean, any specific thing did you find out that you were surprised about? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, the SS, the, the group that uh, spearheaded the Holocaust, I mean, uh, intellectually, it was actually a very impressive uh, organization. Uh, 33% of uh, SS officers boasted uh, bachelor's degrees. This was at a time when uh, uh, only a minuscule percentage of Europeans had any sort of uh, College training. The uh, the SS was full of uh, doctors, uh, lawyers, uh, scientists, uh, professors. Uh, strangely enough, uh, so you had this very uh, very intellectual organization that was just uh, filled with intelligent individuals. But you know how you know what do they decide to do? They decide to. Uh, Engage in uh, mass murder. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we tend to uh, regard uh, such individuals as thugs, but uh, you know, people <laughs> who live on the fringes of society. But it, yeah. it's not that simple. Uh, sometimes uh, evil can come from uh, uh, misfits, but then again, sometimes evil can come from uh, you know uh, doctors and, and scientists. You, yeah. you never know. Sometimes evil and uh, intellect can go hand in hand. It's very surprising. Yeah, I, I've always considered that it's not so much that they were doing evil, but that they were simply scared. You know, do you think that was a lot of fear involved and that they thought, hey, you know, I, I need to follow this, otherwise, you know, my family is going to be at risk and uh, and my bot, and I will be at risk? Well, as far as the... Uh, the the intellectuals uh, who were in the the SS, uh, I don't think it was so much fear as it was simply uh, ambition. Mm -hmm. uh, during the uh, the 1930s up until the end of uh, World War II, if you wanted uh, wealth and power, you you joined the SS because you know if you were willing to uh, look the other way morally. Mm -hmm. And do what you you were told. You know you could uh, amass uh, in, enormous uh, power and, and wealth. And uh, you know many uh, members of the SS became uh, quite quite wealthy. Uh, there's there's one similarity that a lot of these uh, that the SS elite had. They were actually a very diverse group of individuals. Some of them were self-made men. Some of them were uh, were academics. You know what, what have you? Uh, but one trait that they all had in common was that they were uh, extremely ambitious men. Uh, you know, they wanted wealth and power, and, and they weren't particularly concerned with, you know, how they got it, just as long as they could get it. Uh, so, with a lot of these these intellectuals, you know, it, it, it wasn't fear, because uh, you know these were uh, individuals who. 
when you're talking about social elites, even when the the rest of uh, a country, you know, may be floundering, as was the case with with uh, Germany, uh, you know, these were individuals who always enjoyed a certain amount of uh, prosperity uh, and uh, stability. Uh, you know, uh, they were doing okay before Hitler. They weren't desperate individuals. They weren't fearful individuals. Uh, one, one inspired a lot of these uh, uh, persons was uh, simple, you know, ambition. Hmm. Well, that is interesting because here I, I was always considering, you know, thinking them as a scapegoat. And that here they would be, you know, worried about their, you know, livelihood and their lives when uh, I considered that they would simply be really, uh, you know, uh, into me, <laughs> you know, uh, what, yeah, what can I, what, what can I do for myself kind of thing. So they're thinking of themselves instead of, uh, instead of, you know, being fear, a fear factor there. So that's interesting. Um, it, obviously you, okay, you wrote this book uh, in what year? Uh, it was uh, published in 2009, November 2009, mm-hmm. and I, I suppose I spent about uh, a year and a half uh, researching and writing the book. Mm. That's good. That's good. It's interesting that uh, as you've had trouble finding information about this particular subject when you were you were interested in it, how did you come about finding some things to you know uh, to write about in your book? Or do you kind of fill in the uh, gaps? Uh, I, I guess I uh, did the research the, the old-fashioned way. I spent a lot of time in uh, in libraries. I uh, spent a lot of time uh, reading uh, a lot of books. Uh, now and then I would go to, uh, you know, a Holocaust museum like the uh, the one in Washington. That, that was uh, very moving. Uh, you know, as as far as uh, research goes, it's uh, if you know if you want to do a good job with it, uh, you just learn very on that you have to work very very hard at it. You uh, you have to uh, resign yourself to the fact that you know you're going to be spending a lot of time at the library. You're going to spend a lot of time doing you know research. There's going to be a lot of days, uh, you know, when you're going to be riding until, you know, one or two in the morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there really aren't any shortcuts, you know. No, there aren't. Definitely not. Um, for just for everybody to know, uh, you can call in and ask questions. And the guest call in number is 714-242-5145. That is not a toll-free call. So... If you don't have a cell phone, you're probably charged for that. So it's uh, tell, uh, number 714-242-5145. Also, if you just want to listen and, and have questions but you want to do chat, if you scroll down on that on the page that you're listening to, that's um, just chat box there so you can, you can type something in, I will see it and definitely pass it on to uh, Jonathan and he can answer the question, questions or just... Say hey, I'm thinking of you, or hey, how you doing? If you know him, um, and to, you know, I'll definitely pass that information on to him. So um, now we're obviously going to get into uh, your other book, which is your your new book, and this came out uh, recently, correct? Yeah, it came out uh, April 26th. Okay, and 
Piltdown Man, uh, is that a, I know your name just said, Piltdown Man and Other Hoaxes. And you say that's a light-hearted examination of scientific frauds through history. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, I I can't say that I've ever heard of Piltdown Man, but I have heard of other hoaxes, um, uh, scary, you know, things that uh, scary stories, that kind of thing. Tell us about the Piltdown Man. Uh, Piltdown Man. It, it's not as uh, famous as it used to be, but during the early to to mid 1900s, it was actually, you know, uh, very very. Uh, significant. Uh, it, it's often referred to as the uh, the missing link hoax. Uh, that's a reference oh, to okay. uh, you know Charles Darwin's you know alleged uh, missing link. But uh, what happened was that uh, back around uh, 1908, uh, some bones were discovered in a construction pit in a small uh, English town called uh, uh, Piltdown uh, in in Sussex. Hmm. And uh, it was uh, it was a cranium and a, a jaw, uh, obviously you know coming from a, a primate, uh, and um, immediately because they look so old, immediately the uh, scientific establishment uh, ruled that uh, that Piltdown Man uh, was the uh, the first uh, man. And uh, this was in spite of the fact that the the jaw and the uh, the cranium were almost entirely incongruent with each other, and a lot of uh, scientists at the time, very secretly, they actually believed that Piltdown Man, uh, the cranium and the jaw, actually came from two different species. They they just uh, they they were just too incongruent with each other. They just didn't fit. But in spite of all the skepticism, that was suppressed. And there were two reasons for this. Uh, one was the fact that the the evolutionists in the early 1900s were in a fierce ideological battle with religious fundamentalists, the creationists, uh, those who believe that uh, human beings were created in their present form about 4,000 uh, years ago. Uh, they were they were really looking for, you know, hard evidence uh, to, you know, advance their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And for them, uh, Piltdown Man, you know, it was that hard evidence. Uh, they had, you know, they had doubts about Piltdown Man, but uh, they had very, very human fossils at that point, and and for them, Piltdown Man looked like hard evidence, so they they happily embraced Piltdown Man. You know, it was evidence for their cause, and uh, there was also a racial component to to Piltdown Man. Uh, you know, Charles Darwin had, uh, you know, uh, asserted that uh, human beings actually involved in, in Africa. Uh, and that was because that's where the, the great apes like the, the gorilla and the chimpanzee evolved. And since, you know, the greater apes evolved in Africa, you know, he believed that, uh, uh, you know, human beings, you know, originated there as well. 
But a lot of European scientists at the time, they, they resented such assertions. Uh, they didn't feel that, uh, you know, human beings could have evolved in, in Africa uh, because it was the land of uh, Arabs and, and blacks, and they regarded uh, them as being inferior. Uh, to the European, you know, establishment and the the, and, um, the American scientists, Australian scientists, uh, you know, they were just uh, they believed wholeheartedly, at least at the time, that human beings had to originated in in Europe because uh, Europe, at least in their eyes. You know, that's where you know human civilization originated. There, they just weren't comfortable with the the fact uh, that anything so august as you know a human being, you know, could have evolved in Africa. To to them, that just seemed like uh, anathema. Hmm. Wow. That's uh. <laughs> so you did a lot of really good study on this, obviously, and. Uh, we're able to discuss that part in the book. By the way, I have to tell you that your cover was very intriguing. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. The publisher did a, a wonderful job with the cover. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the cover. So that's definitely intriguing, and and uh, I think it definitely worked the colors and the, the the idea. I mean, it could have been a fiction book, but it definitely worked really well for nonfiction. Um, oh sure, yeah. So, so tell us what other uh, what other hoaxes that you talk about in your book. Uh, well, uh, I address uh, uh, Bigfoot, uh, the Loch Ness monster, um, sea monsters, uh, the abominable snowman. Uh, in a lot of ways, the, the book was a labor of of love. Uh, you know, when I was, uh, you know, a, a young kid, I, I loved reading uh, books about uh, the Bigfoot and the Yeti and all that. Uh, and and I, I always felt that one day I would write a book about such subjects. Of course, being an adult now, I, I write with, uh, you know, a much more critical air. I, I, I guess you could say a, a skeptic, uh, you know, a sense of skepticism. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's uh, you know you grab uh, <laughs> sure yeah yeah I, I kids like to believe in that in in a lot of those things and uh, even my son he well, they, so do a lot know. of adults actually so do a lot of adults really yeah yeah I, I think kids you know obviously like the idea too more but yeah a lot of adults you know they, they still believe in that um, yeah there are things we don't know you know there's things we just don't know. Um, one of the, I'm not sure if you touched on this, but uh, Chikuba Cabra is the, it's really a subject that, especially in the Southwest, that seems to be, you know, sticking around. Have you gotten into anything in the Southwest? Well, uh, as far as uh, that legendary creature is concerned, in, in all honesty, I, I think that's actually one of the more uh, ridiculous hoaxes out there. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we're talking about some sort of uh, reptilian uh, mammal hybrid that uh, that sucks blood. Uh, you know, it's it's highly doubtful that uh that such a creature could could actually exist and, and as, as as far as you know uh sheep being uh, drained of blood 
they're perfectly, you know, very plausible, you know, explanations mm-hmm. uh, for such uh, things going on. But more than likely, we're, we're talking about a, an ordinary uh, predator. Uh, it may be a wildcat. It may be, uh, um, you know, a, a coyote, uh, wolves. Uh, but that, that's the thing, though. So many people, they're not really interested in plausible explanations. <laughs> you know, they, they want something, you know, fantastic and uh, mysterious and uh, and unforgettable. Right. So, uh, you know, they they don't want to hear about something that's, that's plausible. They want something fantastic. And, that's, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with with thinking that way, uh, but but at the same time, I, I mean, you you have to, uh, you know, if you're going to you know engage in such uh, conjecture, I, I mean, you need to be honest and, and say it's conjecture and speculation, right. and you also Not have that. to uh, you know look for some evidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, you know, with a lot of these, you know, legendary creatures, you know, the the evidence simply isn't there. But uh, you know what? For for the uh, for the true believers, they, they, in all honesty, I don't think they care about the the evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just want to believe in something so bad that they're willing to suspend all sense of judgment. <laughs> uh, which is kind of kind of sad because yeah. uh you know uh in in life if you look around there are many many things to be excited about there are many wonderful things out there that truly do exist you right. know like the uh you know the uh the whale uh mm-hmm. you know that that's the largest creature ever has uh, lived uh, you know, on this earth, uh, larger than even the uh, the dinosaurs. Um, you know, uh, the the blue whale. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there there are plenty of wonderful things, plenty of wonderful things in this earth that do exist, and they're fantastic. Uh, so these people who just always seem to fall for for hoaxes and and kind of cling to these desperate beliefs, uh, it's 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 all very sad. Uh, I, I think one of the uh, the most saddening is is the whole uh, Bigfoot saga. You know, mm-hmm. there are still uh, thousands of uh, Bigfoot believers out there, yeah. and uh, you know, even going on, you know, right now uh, on on television, uh, there are shows devoted to uh, you know finding Bigfoot at long last. There, there's always some ambitious expedition going on, often televised, always in the news and, and the the people who are behind these expeditions, you know, they're they're so ambitious, uh, they're so hopeful, you know, we're gonna find Bigfoot, we're going to produce a body. And you know what, they they wind up doing nothing of the sort. Mm-hmm. Uh if they find any evidence it's all uh you know it's controver- <laughs> yeah it's you know the, the evidence is very very feeble right. but, but still they don't seem to get uh disheartened which uh you know i i just find it all a little bit puzzling uh and i i think that there's always going to be a a certain percentage of people 
they're just going to fall for things like that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, some people exploit people like that. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. They, they, uh, uh, UFO believers, for instance, uh, really, they are adamant about, you know, their beliefs. And they, they're, again, there's most of their evidences are fuzzy pictures and uh, no real hard evidence. And yet, uh, you know, there's thousands of people go to the conventions every year. Oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, these sort of phenomena don't exist. I, I'm not saying that at all. I, I mean, uh, Personally, I would love for for a Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster to exist, mm-hmm. uh, just because you know it just all sounds so thrilling. Mm-hmm. And and since the universe is is so large, you know it's it's very possible that there's intelligent life out there. But what I'm saying is that we need to to look at the evidence. Right. Uh, if if someone has a, a story about a UFO abduction, you know, whatever, that that's fine. But, you know, what evidence do you have? You know, we, we can't just believe everything we hear. No. Civilization can't can't work that way. Uh, if, if we did, you know, we'd be going back to the Dark Ages, uh, <laughs> back to the days of, uh, you know, the witch trials. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, some things we're a lot more um, open-minded to, and yet there's just so, so much things, so many things that we're not open-minded to. So it seems like there's you got to be something in the middle, you know? Oh, sure, sure. I, I guess the simply way to put it is uh, you, you, you have to view such things with intelligence. Uh, again, you can't believe, you know, everything that, that you hear, uh, no matter, you know, how, uh, you know, exciting it sounds. And yeah. the, the the Loch Ness Monster, that's, uh, uh, that's another uh, ideal example uh, of this. You know, uh, people want to believe in this so bad, but the evidence uh, for the existence of, of of nasty, I mean, it's just unfortunately, it's very very paltry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, if it's a dinosaur, uh, you know, how come you know it ceased to exist sixty five million years ago when the rest of the dinosaurs, you know, when they were wiped right. out, right. you know, why was the why was nasty the exception? You know, that's an important question. And uh, assuming that, uh, you know, Loch Ness Monster exists, well, you know, there have been sightings of, of Nessie for about 2,000 years, so it could, it could not be one creature. It would have to be a colony of creatures. And if you're assuming that they're reptiles, if, they're, uh, if you're assuming that they're a leftover dinosaur, well, you know, uh, Reptiles, even aquatic reptiles, have to come up for air eventually. They need oxygen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, n- you know. Uh, There'd be more sightings than what what there are then. Sure, sure, because there would always be uh, uh, examples of the species coming up for air, mm-hmm. but you you never see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like- and uh, and. Uh, you know, again, assuming that uh, we're talking about a reptile, uh, 
uh, well, Loch Ness, it, it's, it's not a good place for a reptile to, to be in. It, it's very, very cold. Uh, generally, you know, reptiles need, you know, very warm environments. But, uh, you know, Loch Ness is, is anything but. It right. seems uh, highly irregular that uh, uh, a reptile could, you know, survive in such an environment. But, you know, in, in spite of, of all the reasons why Nancy, you know, does not, you know, uh, does not exist, you know, Nancy still has scores and scores of uh, fans out there. Yeah. True yeah. believers, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whole industry. <laughs> I think I have stories that, you know, sell all the, the in trinkets and things. So it's... Uh, uh, you know that area thrives on people believing. Sure, sure. And uh, again, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, a, a lot of people they are they are being exploited. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it uh, a good example would be you know uh, psychic mediums. Uh, you know, if you're just visiting a, a psychic. Uh, for just entertainment, you know, nothing wrong with that. However, there are scores of people, uh, I mean, they, they really, really believe this stuff. Right. And They let, uh, they let their lives they, they, by it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think that's very, very dangerous because, uh, you know, ESP, it's still very, very unproven. We still know very, very little about it. And unfortunately, there are a lot of frauds out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, I mean, they're being exploited. And, uh, you know, they, they don't deserve to be. Uh, of course, you know, the, the fact that they're they're so naive, you know, they're, they're basically just, just begging to be exploited. It, it, it's a sad situation. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, they're... In society, we have a lot of people who exploit um, people who believe in almost anything. Uh, it's a shame that they do that. Now, uh, I have a question then. How did you find out about uh, a lot of this information and you decided to go with the hoaxes rather than, than people who believe? Um, so how did you go about finding a lot of this information? Uh, the same with the uh, the first book, just a lot of uh, time spent in libraries, uh, a lot of reading. Um, it, it sounds very, very, um, I don't know, what, what's the word, just uh, just very, very grueling. But, you know, if, if you're genuinely interested in the subject, a lot of the research, it's, it's actually going to be quite fun. You'd, you'd be surprised. Uh, there were days when you just... Uh, you don't really feel like doing the research, but you go in anyway. But uh, generally, I was always very enthusiastic. I, I think it's important for the writer to pick something that he or she honestly wants to write about. Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I can't think of anything that would be more uh, more suffocating than uh, just going through the motions, just picking a subject that doesn't really interest you. You just think that it might sell well. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's a bad way to think about uh, your career. Uh, I think if you if you want to be a successful writer, I mean, you have to write about something that, you know, genuinely interests you, something that you find genuinely fascinating. And since I found the uh, the Holocaust to be fascinating, uh, the research was not that bad. 
you know, writing about hoaxes. You know, it was actually quite a lot of fun doing the research for that. <laughs> so, uh, do you consider yourself an expert in these things? So that way, you know, what the television shows can call you and say, "Hey, uh, we want some quotes from you." Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily call me in a, call myself an expert on anything. I I, I do think I am a journalist. Uh, I I try to uh, to look at a topic, uh, you know, as objectively as possible, and uh, make the reader, you know, uh, make his or her own decision. Uh, and I, I do try to get, uh, you know, all the the relevant facts. I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself uh, an expert on anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I do hope to be is I, I do hope to. Uh, to provide a, a voice of reason, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope I can do that uh, because, uh, sadly, I, I, uh, I, I'm finding out that in a lot of ways, uh, true reason just seems to be rather uh, endangered. Uh, <laughs> certainly, if you, you take a look at you know what's going on in the media, yeah. uh, you know there, there seems to be uh, a welding together of of entertainment and, and science and, and these things don't necessarily, you know, go together. Right. And uh <laughs> and, and and sadly that that also applies to uh uh to channels on television that claim to be educational but they really seem to be getting away from their their missions. Uh, I, I think the Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, they're actively promoting pseudoscience, whether they want to, uh, you know, admit that or, or not. I, I can remember when the History Channel was a great, great channel. You know, if you wanted to learn about history, you turned to the History Channel. Uh, but uh, it's, it's gotten very, very sad now because a lot of uh, their uh, programming is devoted to, to pseudoscience. Uh, Ancient Aliens, that's one of their uh, top-rated shows. And this is a a show where uh, eccentric uh, authors, they go on the program and they offer all this uh, free-willing speculation, Mm -hmm. like uh, we have uh, alien DNA. Uh, It was uh, (laughs) aliens that... uh, Taught us agriculture and how to build the uh, the pyramids. Uh, Greek and Roman gods they they actually weren't uh, gods at all. Uh, rather, they were extraterrestrial beings. Uh, it, it, it's yeah. okay to make some sort of uh, it, it's okay to speculate about such things, but but the problem is they're not being honest with the uh, uh, the viewing public. Uh, you know, a lot of people, especially young people, kids, when they're uh, watching the History Channel or the Discovery Channel, they they just assume that everything on there has to be true. Right. But uh, you know that, that's that's not the case at all. So you have uh, kids out there who believe that uh, humans have uh, alien DNA. Uh, that uh, there are uh, aliens uh, who are turning the uh, the moon into a, a sort of a Death Star. Uh, that that was I, I watched. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just waiting to invade uh, the the world, and 
the the moon is serving as their uh, their base. All their uh, <clears throat> aircraft is spacecraft is you know inside the the craters. You know what whatever. But you know a, a lot of kids are thinking that this is true. Right. Uh, and, and it's just very very sad. Uh, I, I know in uh, February, Black History Month. Uh, the History Channel devoted zero uh, programming hours to anything related to, to black history. Uh, meanwhile, you know, they're promoting uh, pseudoscience. And, yeah. and sadly, uh, the History Channel isn't the, the only uh, channel, you know, guilty of uh, such a thing. No, that's, that's true. But the thing is that we, we wouldn't expect uh, the History Channel to be doing this. Unfortunately, it's kind of like uh, Sci-Fi Channel where they they have you know WWF on it. And what does that have to do with science fiction? It has nothing. Sure, to do absolutely, with yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. you know, it's a matter of who paying them, who paying the bills. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. And, and unfortunately, you know, um, I guess you would say lowest common denominator entertainment. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it you know it sales. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, sci-fi, uh, it's yeah, it's actually gotten away from its uh, mission as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it started out, it was about you know science fiction programming, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I very much enjoyed it myself. Uh, I, I always loved their you know Twilight Zone, you know marathons. Oh, yeah. But you know, this was you know uh, you know fictitious entertainment, and you know. Uh, it admitted that it was just, you know, fictitious, you know, entertainment. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, now they seem to be in the business of, uh, quote, unquote, you know, scientific educational programming. That's what they claim this stuff to be, but it, it's not. It, it's, you know, it's pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, on on sci-fi now, they have uh, – uh, so-called, you know, uh, reality TV program oh, yes, that yeah. depict uh, ghost hunters. Yeah. And uh, uh, again, you know, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that ghosts do not exist. Uh, what I am saying is that, uh, you know, it's still very controversial. There's very little solid evidence that that ghosts do in fact exist. Uh, does that mean that they don't exist? No. It, it it doesn't. They they could exist, but you know the the evidence is still controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these ghost hunters, uh, the way they depict themselves, you know, they're legitimate uh, scientists doing legitimate uh, work, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, younger viewers, you know, kids watching these programs, they're just. Uh, a lot of them are going to automatically believe everything they they hear, and when these so-called ghost hunters, uh, you know, try to convince the viewer that this is 100%, you know, legitimate uh, science, that uh, you know that uh, the ghosts certainly do exist. Uh, you know that that's just uh, misin. It's just misinformation. Yeah, it amazes me is that people actually making a living doing this. <laughs> you know, oh, I, oh sure, right business. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it when you watch these programs, you know, it, it's 
uh, it can get really, really ridiculous when you when you look at the uh, commercials for the, the programming. Uh, you know, it just seems so uh, outrageous, mm-hmm. and you think that they've really, really found something. Then when you watch the the full episode, I know uh, you're going like, you what know, that all is about? Jeez, you know that's not even real. Uh, yeah, they they don't really see anything. They don't really hear anything. Uh, you know, uh, they will make big deal a uh, big deal out of certain certain sounds. Yeah. But the sounds could be anything. It could just be that the house settling. It could just be the wind. You know. Uh, you know they promise so much, but they deliver. You know so very little. Yeah. I guess, and that's why I say I can't believe they're actually making a living living on this, and you know, more than just a few people. I'm talking yeah, about, uh, you know, apparently they make wonderful, you know, livings. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, again, it's very, very sad because they're claiming to be people that they're not. Yeah. And uh, this seems to be getting, you know, increasingly common. You would think that today. Uh, human beings would be uh, reasonable <laughs> about these sorts of things. But you know what? It, it seems like that uh, the modern age has actually helped uh, hoaxers and, and cranks because with the Internet, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they have an audience, an adult audience of, of millions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can make a uh, a phony film about Bigfoot. Right. You know, and, you know, the next day they could have, you know, three million viewers. Yeah. So exactly. so actually modern technology, scientific progress, actually seems to be aiding uh, pseudoscience, which you would not expect. But, uh, you know, you're making the assumption that, that humans are, are basically... Uh, reasonable individuals, and, and sadly, that's not always the case. No, that's just that's just it. And I think you're absolutely right that in today's society, uh, I think more people are hearing about it because you know it's you know television, cable, you know these shows are more accessible. And yeah. so you know they're automatically, oh wow, I didn't know that, and they're making assumptions that this is real when it's really not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's entertainment. Yeah, and uh, and uh, a lot of these people, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're just uh, completely ignoring the uh, the the facts. I, you know, another prime example is uh, is Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a so-called mystery that's been going on for for hundreds of years. But uh, actually, um, the roots of uh, Atlantis actually very, very mundane. Uh, Atlantis, uh, the the so-called continent, uh, it was uh, the creation of of Plato, the, the Greek philosopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to uh, tell a, a morality tale, so uh, he thought up the story of Atlantis as a uh, you know, as a fictional writer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was trying to make a point. The Atlanteans who were so, you know, advanced scientifically, they became arrogant. They began to feel like they were better than the gods, and the, the gods 
became very resentful of this. Uh, so the gods destroyed Atlantis through natural disasters. It was all a fiction. Uh, that, that's that's all. He was it trying was. to teach him a lesson, so he used. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 Plato, I, I'm sure, would be just absolutely appalled that many people uh, would believe that Atlantis was was real, because you know, as a as a writer of fiction, he just concocted the tale of Atlantis. And mm-hmm. this is what's really amazing. Uh, there are a lot of people who know that Atlantis, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, the center of of a a fictional tale told by Plato. Nevertheless, they still believe that Atlantis must be out there. Hmm. They they actually... Yeah. uh, Yeah, it it, it just seems so uh, contradictory. They they know that... uh, Atlantis was uh, the center of a, a fictional story, but they still believe that Atlantis must be out there. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, again, they're just uh, ignoring basic facts. And, and so, you know, hmm. I, I, again, uh, you have uh, seemingly respectable shows on uh, the Discovery Channel, uh, the Learning Channel, you know, what have you. And it's about uh, an expedition, you know, they're trying to find Atlantis. Right. right. And, you know, they they start out so promising, and they they think they're going to find it, but they find nothing. Right. And the reason that they're not finding anything is because Atlantis, it's something that was completely made up. It's a complete fiction. (laughs) But uh, people, they they refuse to, to admit that. And uh, it's funny because with each generation, uh, the the tales about Atlantis uh, just get uh, more and more outrageous. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the last program that I saw about uh, an expedition for finding Atlantis, uh, the individual who was uh, sponsoring the expedition was going on uh, how he believed that the Atlanteans uh, had knowledge of uh, telepathy. Uh, you know, they built uh, rockets that were launched into space. Uh, that they uh, knew the secrets of teleportation. Hmm. All right, this guy was being serious, but you know, he's making these assumptions about uh, a people that's never been proven to exist. Right, right. So that he's he's going beyond what what you know you can. I mean, there's no absolutely no proof there. Yeah, when yeah. There's there's no proof of Atlantis in the first place. So how can there be proof that these people have you know these higher powers? That's sure. You know, it's really pushing yeah, it. But you know, <laughs> you know, when you when you go into uh, conjecture and free willing speculation, you know, anything is possible. And and, and a lot of and a lot of people might find that harmless, but but uh, you know I, I don't. Uh, a lot of what is driving this is is gut feeling. You know, mm. in my gut, I know I'm right. It doesn't matter what the objective facts are. In my gut, I I know I'm right, and and that can be a very very dangerous attitude to have. I know it was an extremely dangerous attitude. You know, back in uh, uh, Germany, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, many Germans, uh, in their gut, they believed that the Jews were evil, and even though there wasn't any objective uh, evidence out there to to conclude this, uh, you know, right. just because they 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 felt it was true, then it had to be true. So, you know, these sorts of gut feelings, they can actually be very, very dangerous. Yeah. Um, I was bringing this up the other day uh, about uh, somebody who was writing about uh, a story kind of like Da Vinci Code. And I said, you know, what you're talking about, people taking things too far and believing too much, um, happened happened with Dan Brown's book. And here they were picketing uh, the movie. And, you know, he's going like, people, this was a fiction book. You know, it's a fiction story. And they were taking it as being, you know, a slam on religion. He said, no, that's a fictional story. So, uh, again, that's, again, this is, you know, in our time. (laughs) Oh, sure, (laughs) sure. too easy to believe uh, a fiction story. So, and you're talking about the, uh, you know, the uh, Germans and, and how they believed in these things. That the the issue is that um, we as society believe too many things and don't know or don't differentiate science fiction to science. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, sadly that that seems to be uh, becoming uh, quite common. Uh, you know the the ancient uh, alien uh, theorists. They call themselves theorists. Actually, they're not theorists. They're you know they're just uh, asserting you know hypotheses, mm-hmm. not even good hypotheses that did that. But what they believe is that uh, aliens, uh, you know, uh, actually started the human race. That we have uh, alien, uh, uh, you know, DNA in our genes. That it was uh, aliens that uh, basically uh, yeah. Yeah. began human civilization. They kicked things into gear for us. That that actually goes back to uh, the book 2001: in Space Odyssey, written <laughs> yeah. by Arthur C. Clarke, which and, is a science know, fiction. <laughs> yeah, and you know it became more popular when Stanley Kubrick uh, made the movie version of 2001. Yeah, and that's... there's that basic scenario that you know aliens, you know they were the ones that actually started human civilization. You know they they paved the way for humans, and and that was you know that was a complete fiction. But some people uh-huh. they they just took it you know too literally. Some people still think that the black. Uh, uh, the, I forgot what it was called. Um, that there actually is things on the moon proving that you know that civilization came from outer space, and going like, what, what you guys are talking about? But then again, there's also people who think that we actually didn't land on the moon, that it was all hoax. So. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an awful lot of money to spend on that. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah, people and, want to and we, we could be things. devoting our time to you know much much better things out there. You know. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. That's uh, been unfortunately it's like I have people who say, well, it's 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 written as a nonfiction, 
it's on television, so therefore it's true. And I, I'm going like, you are the same person who doesn't believe in science fiction. So <laughs> it just doesn't go. It doesn't correlate. Doesn't go there. You don't believe in science fiction, yet you believe that you know, uh, you know, you believe that we never actually went, landed on the moon. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. And you know, because of uh, you know the internet, uh, these sorts of our urban legends, you know, they, they can have enormous, you know, built-in audiences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it still seems to be getting uh, worse and worse, really. Uh, there was uh, another show on uh, the History Channel called uh, uh, Monster Quest. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. uh, w- one episode that I actually watched, uh, it was uh, featuring uh, individuals who claimed that they had seen, you know, werewolves. Uh, They were convinced that uh, werewolves, you know, actually exist. And uh, I I think that shows, you know, how uh, our society intellectually seems to be decaying because 20, 25 years ago, I I don't think that uh, a show could have done a program about that subject because nobody would have taken it seriously. Yeah. Uh, I, I know the uh, 1970s, 1980s show In Search Of. Uh, you know, it, it examined werewolves, but just, you know, in a legendary sense. They were exploring a legend. Uh, a monster quest seemed to be taking the werewolf seriously. And, you know, uh, just the, the idea of uh, a human being being able to transform himself or herself into a wolf, it, it's just you know, frankly, uh, ridiculous. Well, uh, I, look at, I look at it this way. I mean, being a fiction author, I, I said, well, hey, go for it, because all it does is, is, is uh, draw in sales for for people who write about werewolves. So. Sure, <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, still I, I'm worried about, you know, America's, America going into an intellectual decline. Do you, and, uh, think, do you think perhaps that 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 we are grasping at something to believe in? Oh yeah, and and I think that a lot of that is because we're becoming an increasingly secular society. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't necessarily believe in uh, you know benevolent God or, or or Jesus Christ or or angels or or Buddha. So a, a lot of people they just find. Uh, Real life, just I don't know. Uh, they have to believe in something. Uh, dis- dis- dispiriting, uh, dull, cold, demanding, uninteresting, boring. You know what have you? I, I think that uh, a lot of these people uh, who repeatedly fall for these ridiculous hoaxes, the same type of people who do drugs. They they just find real life to be something hard to endure so they're they're looking for something to you know ease their i don't know their existential angst or or whatever hmm. that's true it, it could be true i'm just thinking that uh, because it's kind of like superheroes we uh would like to believe in something that is yeah, more ideal so much greater than, than ourselves. Yeah. 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 
But, uh, you know, unfortunately, there, there's not a real Superman out there. <laughs> I mean, we have to depend on ourselves. And uh, a lot of people just don't think we're equipped to do that, hmm. uh, which I disagree with, you know, vehemently. Uh, I, I think that repeatedly uh, human beings have displayed through the centuries just enormous creativity and intelligence and resourcefulness. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I often find that the human race to be uh, uh, breathtaking in, in spite of the, uh, the faults of human beings. Uh, we can be uh, uh, amazingly versatile and resourceful and, uh, and productive yeah. when we believe in ourselves. Oh, it's that's just that right now so many people don't believe in, in themselves. They they think that they're uh, they're powerless uh and, and everything is, is hopeless, so they just kind of uh walk around in a, a world of their, their dreams. They'd rather uh read comic books all day because they just find uh real life to be so dreary. Hmm. Well, I do know some a lot of people get into comic books, so we won't say anything more about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I have, you know, I, I'm a comic book reader myself. I, I mean, uh, I'm four years old. I, I still love it, but uh, uh, you know, but not taking it seriously, but enjoying it as entertainment value, which is what it's supposed to be. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, imagination. You know, some uh, harmless escapism. Uh, but but a lot of people, it's like. Uh, they they just want to forget about the real world, mm-hmm. and I you know again I, I find that sad because there's a lot that's beautiful and exciting about the real world. If people would just take uh, you know approach it with an open mind, mm-hmm. and you don't need anything sensationalistic. You know there's a lot of uh, amazing stuff out there that that is real. Right. Well, I'm going to ask you what's up. What's next for you? What book are you working on now or you want to work on next? Um, I, I just uh, finished my uh, third book. It's uh, it's actually about the Rolling Stones, their experience at, uh, at Altamont. Uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, it's, it's 1969, and they're trying to uh, produce their, their own Woodstock. Hmm. Uh, but uh, they're rather naive, and they decide to use the uh, the Hell's Angels as uh, security for the San Francisco uh, concert. And uh, the uh, the security guards with the Hell's Angels they decide that they want to uh, wage war on the uh, the hippies who had gathered there for the concert. And uh, four people wind up dead, and uh, hundreds of people uh, are injured. And on top of that, uh, hundreds of people uh, OD on uh, on hard drugs. Uh, Altamont, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, mm-hmm. It happened in 1969 in San Francisco. A lot of people, to a lot of people, Altamont symbolizes the death of the uh, 1960s spirit. It's something that I've always, it's another subject I've always been drawn mm-hmm. to. Interesting. But I, I, I tell you, for the next uh, few months, it, it looks like I'm gonna not gonna be doing you know very much writing at all, at least not for pleasure, because uh, 
I, I've discovered that uh, promoting and marketing a book at the full time job in and of itself. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so here you'll have three books to promote, and they're all different. So definitely going to be some work for you. Yeah, yeah. You, you can stay awfully busy as a writer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's certainly true. Uh, no, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting yeah. though because uh, right now the, uh, I guess you would say the the hopes du jour mm-hmm. uh, is about uh, a zombie invasion. Oh. Uh, you know, the the, the centers for I a di- disease that one control. On purpose. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? Touch that one on purpose. So go ahead, go for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know the uh, the Center for uh, uh, Disease Control. They're they're having to uh, uh, you know uh, arrange uh, press conferences stating that there's no uh, zombie invasion going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people they've uh, they actually take zombies uh, seriously. They they think that they're uh, the zombies are are out there, and uh, yeah. they're becoming increasingly uh, common. And, and one day they might, uh, you know, just uh, infect all of human society. <laughs> there was uh, recently the man in in Florida who apparently started eating uh, a fellow human. Yeah, and, and, and it, it some social scientists. <laughs> yeah, some social science some social scientists believe that watching these zombie movies ha- have actually, you know, encouraged to uh encourage some disturbed individuals to engage in acts of cannibalism. Right. But uh, cannibalism is all in the news right now. Yeah. Because uh, so many cases are going on right now. Exactly. So, I mean, there's always going to be disturbing people. People uh, who are just not quite yeah, you know, on drugs or or whatever, having problems. So yeah. uh, they're going to take fiction and they're going to make it real. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, you know, it's uh, it's entertainment and and so-called science just sort of being intermingled, and and these are two subjects that should not always go together. No. Uh, and. Um, I, th- I think it's becoming uh, more and more common. I, I sometimes I, I believe that American society, at least, it, it seems to be uh, uh, degenerating into uh, a culture of the the fantastic. Um, you know, we we don't seem to uh, have so much regard for objective facts anymore. Yeah. We just uh, um, instinctively go for, you know, what seems to be, you know, fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's actually a, a vampire subculture now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, there are actually people <laughs> out there. Uh, they, they never go out during the daytime, and they actually consume blood, if you can believe that. Well, they uh, they also alter their teeth so that way they automatically have uh, incisors or longer. Sure, and and they actually claim to be vampires. And mm-hmm. talking talk about you know uh, uh, misunderstanding you know entertainment from you know real life. Yeah. Uh, 
there, there's never been any sort of objective evidence for, for vampires. I'm sorry. I, I know a lot of people would actually like to believe in, in vampires. But uh, almost certainly they're, they're creatures of, of legend. For that matter, just like uh, werewolves, uh, zombies, ghouls, ghosts, what what have you. Right. Definitely. Yeah, again, some people just want to make the fiction real. And sure, they shouldn't. Sure. Sure. No. It, it's, it, it's just, you know, real life is it, it's just not interesting enough. Uh, it, it, it's too dreary. Uh, so, you know, they would just uh, uh, live their lives, uh, you know, in escapism. Right. And, uh, and I, I think that's a tragic attitude to have. <laughs> so what does your family think about your writing? Uh, they're, they're proud of it. Uh, I, I think that... Uh, I spend too much time, uh, you know, writing or promoting. I think I need to spend more time with them to tell you the truth. Hmm. That's, that happens. That happens. Because if that's they're not as interested in your subject as you are. Uh, you know, sometimes they find my writing to be a little dark, a little eccentric. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I, I tend to have some dark eccentric taste for for whatever reason. Uh I'm I'm just always going to be off stage. <laughs> so if somebody was gonna find your book tell them where. Uh you can find my book on uh, Amazon dot com and uh the book is uh available at uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh also everyone I included his Facebook page on the chat, so that way you can get a hold of them. Oh, yes, and we the listeners are certainly welcome to contact me on Facebook. It's always a good place. So, uh, do you have a website of your own? Uh, no, I uh, I still believe in having a personal life, so I do not have a, uh, a website. Uh, that, that's probably bad from a businessman point of view, but I still like to have a private life, so no, I don't have a, a personal website. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough. Well, I think that we've exhausted everything, and, and everyone is being quiet tonight. They're there, but they're just nothing. And I'm getting some kind of feedback now. I'm not sure where that's coming from, so I will have to let Blog Talk Radio know. Uh, there's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem. So, uh, with that, is there anything else you want to share? Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, wanting to believe in something, but at the same time, I mean, you have to have a, a regard for the evidence. You, you can't uh, go into anything blind. Definitely. Definitely. So keep it real, so people. Keep it real, people. Absolutely. <laughs> It's been really nice meeting you and uh, fascinating subjects you've gotten into. Well, thank you. I I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, I did. I did. And uh, we'll we'll talk again when you get your another book out, okay? All right. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Okay. And and so that's goodbye to Jonathan Maswell. 
and I have one minor, uh, actually, that should be a major one, uh, major announcement really fast. And that is that tomorrow is, uh, if you live in Mesa or if you live in Phoenix, I definitely need to come out to the Books Beach Party, the Books on the Beach Party for the Mesa Second Friday. And it starts at 6 p.m. till 10. Uh, I'm going to be out there with uh, lots of books and beaches. And we're, we're lots of books. And we're also going to be um, there with Connotations, which is a newspaper. And we will have what we call a 3D book cover photo shoot. And what this is, is uh, we have a background and with a book cover title and you guys can pick from and it'd be like pirate scene. Um, we've got an adventure scene. We've got uh, 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 a bloody heart scene. We've got a uh, steampunk scene. So we got some, you know, time travel look. So we've got a lot of different views. We've got some, a scene for background with space. And so, uh, or, you know, a, a night sky for anybody for night creeps, um, which is one of our books. And, we can uh, actually be awesome one for all those out coming out there for the zombie uh, bikini contest. So yes, that's right, zombie bikini contest. I said it. So <laughs> come on out and see the festivities because there's a crazy thing going on, and Mesa definitely a place to be for for uh, lots of cool and crazy stuff. Uh, we got some really interesting stores up and down Main Street nowadays. More eclectic, more uh, a little more outrageous, uh, and a whole lot of fun. So come on out and see us tomorrow night, six to ten, right down Street Main Street. And let's see, we also have a another radio show, and that's going to be next Tuesday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And so it's a different time because. Um, Ray Gorham is in a different time zone, and he works in the evening, so he we had to do that in the morning then. So his book title is 77 Days in September. So here we are talking about zombies and apocalypse. Uh, he's got an apocalypse story, so 77 Days in September. Uh, so that should be interesting to talk about. I found his, his cover to be fascinating, and... Um, obviously, we get into apocalypse uh, stories. We definitely, I thought we wanted to definitely run him on our radio show. So that'll be to, uh, next Tuesday on the twelfth. So with that, I'm going to say good night and probably um, eat my dinner. And it is uh, quite a quarter to seven Arizona time. And I, this is Patty Holstrand and this is K Wad Radio. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.